actually what we should start with um, is um, could have a little bit of fantasy faction talk because I was well not I was thinking right I actually feel a bit bad here because in the in the draft I was uh, I was advocating for you there you were like texting me and I was confirming the drafts or whatever and then the game started and I kind of just focused on on my faction when I should have been maybe continuing my advocacy if that's a word uh, role and, uh, and and advising you but I kind of just left you in the dust there so I feel a bit bad about that I must apologize uh, I'm looking at your team and uh, dude we got to get Ruby Riot out of there she's been gone for a little bit yeah I haven't really paid attention I'm still kind of pissed off that my Seth Rollins pick has and just when I thought this weekend, like, oh, okay, it's about to pay off. He's going to win Money in the Bank. Yeah, he was one of the favorites, <laughs> wasn't he? Um, and then not only that, but now probably going to be on the losing end of this Edge match at SummerSlam. Yeah, Edge, Edge needs Edge needs a win back, doesn't he? But, but that's good for you. Do you know what? I mean... Does somebody have Nikki Ash on her team? Yeah, so, so Johnny... Uh, had her a while ago, and the the zigs and blankets were were on minus before the weekend. So what happened there is on the at the pay per view, he got twelve points for the for the yeah. win. So it's one mat one one point for the match win, one point for the pay per view win, and then ten bonus points for the money in the bank uh, win. And then the next night, uh, he gets ten bonus points for success successfully cashing in uh as well as three points for the uh for the title match win and the and the, the match win so um nikki ash completely turned it around for uh for johnny then that was his only money in the bank participant that weekend so uh so good on him hey as long as you got the one that won like you know. yeah you're pretty much guaranteed um a world title victory it happens more often than not right um but uh, but I mean we've got we've got SummerSlam draft week coming up soon. Um, I think that draft week might get a bit hectic, but we're you know it's season one, so we're we're trialing everything out, seeing how it goes, and then you know if things aren't working out for particular players, we can get feedback and we can improve on the game. But yeah, the first uh, free draft week is going to happen in a couple weeks. So I mean this game's like wide open. It it turns around. In an instant, if you have a couple of champions on your team and they go on a, on a big run, then it really uh, it, like if you got Roman, like you're good for the year. Just I've it. been blessed with the fact that I I my first two picks Roman and Lashley, um, I'm I'm yeah I'm fortunate to still have them as world champions. I mean I'm waiting for the other foot to drop. Believe you me. Um, no, it, 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 the other shoe for you isn't going to drop until Mania. Maybe. Oh, but see, that's that'll be the last night. Imagine, I need, I need to go, I need to be strong going into that season. Jeez. No, but I mean, like, you're gonna bank a bunch of easy wins, just, you know, just off the strength of who you have, like, because they're gonna be building these guys up, especially with the Big E angle. Um, dude, you would have him. Who would you have him cash in on? Um. All right, so this is a complicated question, right? Because they can go the social justice route and have him 
cash in on on Roman. It's like, oh, two black champions. WWE loves that kind of shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, or they can just have him cash in on Lashley. He's like, look, we still have a black champion. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's the one way to do it. I think the easiest route for him will probably be Lashley. Like, that's the one I can see losing yeah. more than Roman. I feel like. So, do you think this is the year they do Rock and Roman, or how do you think they're going to do that? Um, it's hard to tell, really, because um, I before the pandemic, it looked like 2022 was going to be um, when when Manny was in LA, Hollywood. So that would have made sense to have uh, Rock and Roman there. Whether they whether they delay it for another year and get it to Hollywood, or they just pull the trigger in Dallas. It's tough. It's tough. Um, my my gut says that they're gonna kickstart it in November around Survivor Series and and keep the bloodline tribal chief thing going, and then and then and then do it in Dallas. Um, that's what my gut's telling me. Um, but if it doesn't happen there, then it's got to happen next year. It's got to. Um, I think the biggest issue they have is they don't have like. If you look at the roster, right, in totality, there's not many guys you can sell me on that are worth beating Roman. Yeah, that's it. That's like if you, you know what I mean. Like there's Seth, but other than that, there's nobody that you can sell me on that's worth breaking up what they've got. Yeah, and Roman. that's. But at the same time, you can't have an outsider do it either. Right, and that's that's kind of what you want, really, isn't it? You want I want to think of these world champions as um as kind of unbeatable and then when someone comes along you know i want to i want to believe that they they can legitimately dethrone them um that the bobby lashley the mean bobby lashley coming back and having that resurgence there you know i'm looking around the roster too and i think you know apart from biggie getting a getting a cheap cash in which i don't think he will you know who's who's stepping to bobby and, and beating him right now maybe brock I don't know, but um, see the thing. You really think it's worth doing that though? Like, I think people are tired of Brock. People are, but that that's assuming WWE listens to their fan base. You know what I mean? When it comes to Brock, he's I think he's Cena's one of Vince's favorite toys. I think Cena's going to be the Cena. guy to be uh to beat Roman. Oh yeah, he would. Uh, I think that'll be the Mania match. I think that'll be the Mania match. I think, you know, what's his name? Roman will beat him at SummerSlam. Um, Cena will do something probably around Survivor Series mm-hmm. or so. Maybe win the Rumble, yep. something like that. And then they go at it at Mania. I hope so. Like, if by all accounts it looks like this John Cena-Roman Reigns feud's going to last you know, about a month and then be done after SummerSlam. But you, I mean, no matter what they do this month, it's surely going to leave enough there for people to, to want it again. Um, you you would hope. And and just going back to like... Uh, well, I'll say like right now, Roman is a five-star guy. Ah, oh, always has been. Well, no, but... I've always been a mark for Roman, but now yeah, yeah. It's, now I, now I feel justified in being a Roman mark. Like he's just he's so polished I mean, in his character now. 
it's something you can look at. Like I would say since since thirty one when Seth cashed in, like the the problem is people look so much at like what the fans say, but like remember he had that great feud with Wyatt where he brought his daughter into yeah. it. Like he's he's had great feuds. He's got range, hasn't he? He can work with just about anyone in terms of um you know, types of character and you know different styles of wrestler sure but uh he can he can get into the this the weird stories with Bray Wyatt and the paranormal stuff and then he can uh he can do what he's doing now he's just yeah. this big bad like mafia boss type um and he's it, it, I don't know since he's been hooking up with the rock doing doing acting and whatever it just seems like he's really uh brought that into his into his character and he's just I can't, I can't believe it. It really does seem like a new person. He's so confident there. He's like, he knows he's, he well, knows no, they he's just let man. him lean into, they let him lean into what he was looking yeah. for. Like, you know, this character is not really, I think this character was born the night after he beat Taker at Mania. Remember he came out and he cut that promo and he's like, this is my yard yeah. now. And people were like, like that to me was the beginning of the, metamorphosis mm-hmm. to what we um and i'm gonna say like for the last three years you and i have been big on the get paul Heyman with him like and they did it and it's perfect mm-hmm. yeah that's um, that i will say the one thing that does get a little old having the cousins always around that gets old quick yeah um yeah, I'm. I am very interested to see how that develops. Going back to the the Big E a sec, Money in the Bank, and then we'll we'll transition into what we're here for. I I, I looked at that uh, Bobby dominating Kofi on Sunday, and I was like, see, before before that, I would have thought that that had Big E won, he would be going after Roman because he's on SmackDown, and that would be a great crowning moment. But if you're Big uh, E, you can't be happy with what Lashley did to your boy there. You know what I mean? So that that would be a good yeah. story arc if he if he um, gets drafted to Raw, and then um, and then you know that that's Big E and Lashley. That's money. Um, whether that happens all the way at, at Mania, I don't know. But that's who I'd probably f- prefer to nah. him to cash in on. Well, we still got to worry about Goldberg. Oh, so what I'm wondering is if back, maybe they need to just stop it. It's, you know, we already know it's going to be. It's going to be six minutes, and I'm I'm trying to figure out how it's going to work. I think that's where Big E's cash-in comes in, is Goldberg. That'd be great. <laughs> gives, that would yeah. be great. Turn it into a, even, like, not even after the match. Turn it into a triple threat. Maybe, maybe at the start of the match. I don't know. Um... It's it's they have to do it right because you have to consider that Big E's a, a you know a baby face and even though the crowd would pop for him coming out um, and and capitalizing on a weak champion after a match I don't know something tells me he's going to declare it maybe like the night of or at the start I don't know we'll see it's 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 interesting I'm looking forward to it um, so. I've been I've been looking around this week at all the sort of merch I have and all the ticket stubs, and uh, yeah. actually I've been looking at them the last few weeks and it's got me 
you know, it's really got me re- reminiscing and it's really got me excited to go to Dallas. Like, I really want to get to Dallas this year. It's got to happen. Yeah, yeah. Especially if Roman and The Rock happens. Um, but I was uh, I was looking at one of my pieces of merch, um, which is I've, I've got a full-on Money in the Bank um, briefcase, the the gold one that, that Seth had, and I think Seamus might have had too. And... Um, yeah, man. I, I, so I keep all my t-shirts in that. I keep all my wrestling merch in that, so they're not taking up all the space in the drawers and don't drive the taking wife up crazy. A bunch of space. Yeah, um, but uh, but so that money in the bank briefcase I was never meant to get. So the wife got me for my birthday. Uh, she was supposed to get me a lunchbox that was a money in the bank little thing. Uh, she thought, you know, she thought yeah. it'd be cute for my lunches and like. Yeah, that would have been a great gift. Um, but apparently, um, and I haven't confirmed this because I haven't seen her order slip. Apparently, WWE got it wrong and just sent a full-on briefcase instead. And she was like all apologetic on my birthday one year. I was like, I'm so sorry. I got like, look at this big old thing. And I'm like, are you kidding? This is freaking great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're nothing to be sorry nothing about. Nothing at all. I can get the lunchbox myself. But it's a, yeah, it's a good little storage container. I used to keep all my weed in there. But then it started stinking out, so I was like, <laughs> just put my t-shirts in. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of my uh, yeah one of my prized possessions. I think I'm a, I'm gonna have to bring it to uh, to a mania, especially if especially if like Big E's still holding it. Yeah, right. And it's still what you win you win money in the bank, and it's only for a year, right? Up to a year, yeah. They they made uh, they made sure to mention that on Sunday, so there was no no ambiguity about it. Um, yeah, you get to cash in for up to a year. Of course, we know that that doesn't really apply to the women. They tend to cash in like within a 24 hour period. At least that's how it's been going the last few years. You know, before we get into that, on the women's side, I I do have to say that when you look back at history, I think Charlotte's probably not going to get the respect because she's already up to what? 15, 15 times. I've lost count. Look it up. Let's look it up real quick through the powers of the internet. But yeah, yeah. Well, I know it's fourteen or fifteen, but so many of them were just cheap. Like there weren't a lot of them didn't have like the sustained runs that you would think. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, not like Flair. You know, actually, I would be able. I would. I would be interested to look up like Ric Flair's. I guess average length with belts. You know. But nobody's going to question Flair because that was a different time. Like, he was, you know, it was during the territory type time. You know what I mean? Ooh, I've just read an interesting article. It's come here from sportskedia.com. So the headline is, WWE removes three title reigns from Charlotte Flair's official championship record. Let's see here. So Charlotte Flair defeated Rhea Ripley on Sunday. Money in the Bank... To win the Raw Women's Championship for the fifth time, it initially appeared as though she would officially be recognized as a 14-time WWE Women's Champion. However, based on this week's WWE Raw, that number no longer seems to be accurate. Flair's number of titles has been hotly disputed over the years. While she has held 14 titles in NXT and WWE, not all those reigns count towards her official championship tally. So... Okay, so even she knows it's full of shit. They've taken away her NXT reigns and not not recognize that as world title reigns. 
Which is a little silly, really, because mm. you're a women's champion under the WWE umbrella. Like, are we going to take away SmackDown women's title reigns because Raw, the Raw women's title, let's be honest, is is often seen as the main one. I don't know. To me, it is anyway. So, okay, so uh, so I guess NXT doesn't count to them, and she's an 11 time. Yeah, you can't count NXT. That's That opens, like, the door for, you know what I mean? Hmm. That opens Pandora's box. I wonder. Do you know what? I often wonder if um, they should have one, one um, world women's title, and then have a. I mean, I guess a secondary title, but one one that's uh, one that sets itself apart. You know what I mean? Like not a, not a women's intercontinental championship, but but something that has a, a uniqueness to it that's only sort of exclusive to the women's division. I wonder if they could do that instead of having you know the red and the blue belts. Mm, I I don't know if they could do. I mean, part of the problem is they've got so many, so much talent. You know what I mean? And there's only so many belts. Yep. And you're kind of walking this line of okay, we need more titles to, you know, to go along with what we've got roster wise, but we also don't want to dilute anything. Right. Like NXT has a couple titles where I'm like. I don't really care for the North American title. Like, I, I just don't care for it. Uh, you know, I mean, there's... Which title? Sorry, the, the North American, did you say? Title. Yeah, mm. yeah, the North American. I don't I don't much care for it. And then, like, on the main roster, do we really need a United States champion? <laughs> like, Yeah, not really. Um, those two could be uh, could be combined, I guess. It does... Because when, when... So when we were kids in the Attitude Era, there was... The big belt, there was Intercontinental, there was European, yep. and Tag, and then they had Hardcore for a time. Mind you, that was WWE, and then if you looked at WCW, they had the big gold belt, they had a television title. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, they had the Tag, and I feel like there was a couple others. I, I think that... Cruiserweight, uh, they had a Cruiserweight belt. Yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I think they... Bef- right before they got bought out, they introduced a cruiserweight tag team titles, and it didn't really make it longer than, than a couple of weeks before they got bought out, and then those titles just didn't didn't cross over. There may have been six man belts at some point, but uh, see, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. WCW were very experimental, very experimental. I mean, they got a lot right. It's just they they got a lot more wrong. Yeah. They did. They were. They were. They were the wild, wild west there, and I think WWE always had the more um, organized um, company, and I think they they had the confidence that they could ride out um, the lows of the of the ratings wars and stuff. And I think WCW just didn't have that discipline about them. They didn't really have have management that would kind of rein people in if they were getting a bit. You know, carried away. It just it became a free for all, and that was entertaining for a good for a good while there. Like you, you, you know, a bit of chaos is. You know what it reminds me of? Uh, WWE is more like UFC. Like you got Vince McMahon as kind of that Dana White figure that keeps everything in line. Buck stops with yep. me. WCW came off more how boxing is today. Mm. Too many hands in the pot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Hogan should have never had creative control. Yeah, it's a great comparison. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
it uh it ended up being uh yeah being the downfall i mean you you want you want wrestlers to have their creativity you know have some control over their creativity and an agency over themselves but um but yeah too much uh i mean imagine the egos in that locker room jesus yeah and i think that's one of the things you know you look at today's landscape yeah aew you, you never hear about their writing. Like, you know, I, you never hear like, oh, the, the AW writing team is screwed. You don't even hear that. You just take it on a company level. Yeah. Like, how many times do we talk about the writing team for WWE? Probably more often than we should. Yeah. Like, we talk about them as much as we talk about the talent. Yeah, that, the writing team in WWE. See, it would be all right if... See, what I hear about writing... The, the writers in WWE is that they're very like uh, they they're very minimal experience when it comes to pro wrestling. They're they're hired to be basically yes men for Vince McMahon and the 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 TV writers. So they they you know they know story arcs and and kind of how they should go. But the the problem the problem comes when when you have the one guy at the top, Vince, that is very very set in his ways. I think uh, and doesn't really doesn't encourage like flourishment in terms of in terms of like wrestlers characters and that's that's got to be frustrating like if you just have to look at Alistair Black what what he's been saying and he's been very humble about his release you know he's he got a, his opportunity there he met his wife there and he's he's been he's been cool about that but what what they would bring him on to TV and they would push him for a bit make him look like a beast absolutely sell his finisher but then they'd take him off for a few weeks again and there's just there's not that there's not that consistency there, and the more you do that to mm. your active roster, the the less incentivized they are to even just try. You know what I mean? I'll play devil's advocate on this because I was listening to an interview with Triple H, and he was talking about how talent tries to use like their responses on social media as a way of saying like, "Hey, I'm worthy of a push." You can go on social media and find anything. I think for WWE, it's about making money like who's gonna drive revenue you can love wrestlers like there's a lot of wrestlers that i've loved like i'm one of the biggest fans of the godfather that you'll ever meet right but he's not the type that's gonna drive sales or he wasn't when he wrestled he wasn't the type that was gonna drive the company right right so you you gotta look at who can be that super duper star yeah yeah so you got a roman like Roman drives sales. Even when people hated him, he was still driving sales. And that's what... That's the bottom line. Um, mm-hmm. So there's guys that... I, like, I like Karrion Cross, but I don't think he's ever going to be a carry-the-company kind of guy. I'd make the argument that Seth isn't that guy either. Seth is just a really, really, really great wrestler. Like, he's... In basketball, they say, like, you can win the title with a super-duper star, but you need your role players, right? Right. Like... You're not going to move the company forward with Seth as your top guy. But if he's your second or third. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the, the top dog is. And so guys just I mean, really it, have to find their it's roles. Gonna be the, it's going to be the guy. The top dog in the company is, is going to be that big brute, that big muscly guy that Vince loves. He's he's the, yeah he's the one you can sell he's the one you can put in front of the media, uh, and have this just larger than life life image. 
I mean, yeah, I, def I definitely agree with you. One of my one of my gripes with the um, with the internet wrestling community is that they're not looking at it through the lenses of um, what WWE is, which is uh, a money making business. Like we can get all idealistic, you know, who deserves what spot based on their work ethic and and how much we love them, but at the end of the day. Yeah, you really have to look at it through through what WWE is, and money is king, as 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 sucky as that might be, to some people, it it, it is what it is, and the, the reason they are number one and will be number one for as long as they want it is is for that reason. Um, and sometimes people fall at the wayside, and we don't like it, but it, it is what it is, really. And and it'll be interesting to see because AEW seem to want to go in that other direction, so. It's great in that you can you can look at the alternatives and you can see what actually works from a from a, a business standpoint as well as a a fan satisfactory um, standpoint too. So it it definitely needs the two companies like it's it's needed it because WWE definitely rested on the, on their laurels for a good while. But I also think that you got to have guys that that play their role like a guy like Kane. Kane knew. You know he wasn't gonna be that super, but he played his role well. Because the one thing about WWE is you have a guy that's carrying the torch. When he's doing well, everybody makes money. Like I've heard Taker say that in so many interviews. Yeah. Like, you know the the Rock said back in the day, "Know your role." Did you know he got that from Farouk? Did he? Yeah, I was watching. Uh, I was watching the Stone Cold podcast that had uh, the Godfather. And a lot of those, like, his sayings were stuff that Farouk would say, like, like, in like backstage? private. Like, know your role. Oh, right. And when I heard it, I'm like, that sounds like something he would say, yeah. Like, Man. Ron Simmons is probably one of the most undersold, like, most influential wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's a bit of an injustice that he is seen as tag team wrestlers part of the APA and even then it seems like Bradshaw gets the you know the spotlight there a little bit because I mean they they were both mean dudes in the ring and, and Bradshaw maybe got a bit more of the spotlight because he had that mean clothesline but I mean we talk we talk I about workhorses Farouk Farouk's in that category if you want to like a like a Mr. Reliable um, you know and that's what that's probably why Vince you know kept him around for so long because he he knows he he knows his mr reliables and and yeah you would have liked to have seen farouk or you know ron simmons i'm gonna have... say hey, Go on. outside of the new day the apa is my favorite tag team of all time dude i fucking love them just the poker flame backstage like, everything yeah. about the demeanor was like no bullshit like no no fluff i was watching uh i think the the first night they came up with that like the first night they put it on TV, and then like the Dudley Boys come in and they're like, uh, "We don't have, you know, they're beating us up." Like, okay, well, this is a cash business. Like, we don't have any cash. We can write you a check, and then fruit Loved goes. It. All right, we'll let you do it, but if the check bounces, so will you. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had that one door, and they were like, people would try to walk around it. Like, what the like, hell? No, no. go through the, the door. <laughs> the Acolyte Protection Agency. Jeez, I. They put like the gloves on. That's how you knew like they were getting paid. And they put the black gloves on and just start beating the shit out of people. 
Yeah. One of my one of my favorite APA moments was when Jericho uh, won the title from Triple H that night temporarily, uh, and he's he hired APA then. And obviously, like Triple H got got mad and tried to make a beeline for Jericho, but APA were at ringside, and they didn't even beat on Triple H. They just held him back. I'm like no, like they <laughs> created a barrier. I'm like, no. I fucking love the APA. <laughs> 